from the Pocket Dog Media Studios here in lovely Cleveland, Ohio. This is the edifice of our demise. Hello all and welcome to the edifice of our demise, the show that takes a loving and longing look at the harbingers of our own doom. I'm your host, Rich Straffolino, and joining me is the QB of Ennui, the referee of misanthropy, and the point guard in the triangle offense of self-loathing. Ladies and gentlemen, Ben Weinberg. Ben, welcome to the show. Nothing about the neutral zone trap or the right wing lock? Uh, I'm sorry. I tried. I couldn't find anything that rhymed with center that I could, or goalie even. I, I, was, I was very challenged to come up with a rhyme for that one. And quite honestly, uh, also icing. I was like trying to fit icing into that so hard. But thank you for letting me know it was inadequate. As always. (laughs) Ben, are you feeling apocalyptic today? I am. We've had a lot of updates in the world of sports. This is going to be a very sports-heavy episode. So I guess we will jump uh, right into it and get it going with a little something we like to call the Apocalypse Check. (laughs) This is where we run down the topics of the week, what the kids are talking about, and find out if they're, in fact, harbingers of our own doom. Ben, are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Coming up, we have college bowl game season uh, coming up later this month. In the next couple weeks, they'll be starting the inundation of meaningless bowl games that no one is particularly fond to watch. Ben, just in general, the, the cavalcade of bowl games that will be upon us, is that intrinsically a sign of our own doom? Yes, because there are more bowls, A, than our bowl-eligible teams, <laughs> and two... I recall in recent years reading about how many of these stadiums were completely empty and no one cared because the money, I guess, is sponsorship money and it's paid up front. So once that comes in, regardless of anything that happens or how well it's attended, it could be the most exciting game and it would be completely irrelevant because it's already been paid for and that's all they care about. You mean people aren't lining up all across this fine nation to watch the uh, Auto Nation Cure Bowl? Uh, I know, I know, it's hard to believe, but they're probably all at the Nova Home Loans Bowl. <laughs> yeah, looking through this list here, and I just want to go back, you you made the point, I, I just want to reemphasize this, there are more, like the, the commercial function of bowl games has outpaced the actual number of teams by the arbitrary standards of college football to be a mediocre team to make a bowl game, thereby making an already meaningless game even more meaningless because literally Just about any team out there can make it if you even have a modicum of skill on your roster. And I think it does also speak a little bit, and maybe this is why the the college football playoff is so necessary, uh, that the the leagues are so top-heavy with the big programs that there's a dearth of even mediocre teams now at this point. It's either you're a two-win-or-less program or you're a two-win-or-less program. It seems like there's not as much of a middle ground anymore. I mean, it used to be, you know, you would, you would uh, maybe... And I, I think about this uh, growing... Being in Cleveland, you know, OSU is a huge uh, institution even uh, uh, up here from Columbus. And I, I remember before Trestle came to OSU, you know, if, if we lost four games in a season, that was still a really good season. Like, people were thrilled about the Buckeyes. Basically, if we had a chance to make the Rose Bowl and beat Michigan, OSU fans are happy. Now, it's like if we lose one game, the season is over. Everyone's sulking. And I feel like a lot of programs are in that exact same boat. Yeah, definitely. Certainly the bigger ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I mean, it, and that's kind of combined with the... To- 
is maybe a symptom of how meaningless every other bowl game but the major ones are. And now that there's the playoff, outside of the playoff bowl games, who cares? You get one more game that you have a potential to get hurt on if you're a student. I guess you get a free uh, free trip to Montgomery, Alabama to watch uh, the Raycom Media Camellia Bowl. Uh, I'm sure everyone's just salivating to go see that. I guess Appalachian State is going to be playing in that. But uh, looking through the list, I know we both have it up here. What What is the most depressing bowl game out there? Well, let's see. There's the Belk Bowl. I don't know what that is. The There's the Belk? Franklin Belk Bowl. That's not even a sponsor or anything <laughs> like the Belk something something bowl. It's just the Belk Bowl. B-E-L-K. I don't know what that is. I'm assuming it's a... It's a company? I don't know. I've never heard of it. But it will feature an SEC team versus an ACC team or Notre Dame. <laughs> oh, uh, <I> see. <laughs> but it's 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 uh, it's a little depressing how many of these bowl games have a spot open for Notre Dame. <laughs> Listen, I mean, well, the obvious thing is Notre Dame is just a ratings machine. I mean, for whatever reason, they travel really well, and they'll always uh, they'll always get the decent enough ratings. Uh, the the other the one. I think is the most depressing. Maybe the AdvoCare V100 Texas Bowl. Wow, that is obscure. <laughs> it just rolls off the tongue. I can't wait till we just have like the Flomax Bowl, uh, the the Lady Viagra Bowl, whatever that medication. Like I, I just want it named the most commercially depressing sh- uh, uh, bowl game possible. I'm surprised there's not a KFC Bowl. I'm also, I, you know, what? I kind of want to start a Kickstarter to sponsor a bowl game satirically. Do you, oh, that would be good. Do you want to kick like? Uh, have you ever watched the show Nathan for You? Uh, yes. Uh, that seems like something that Nathan Fielder would be up for to uh, to mockingly start a bowl game with no tradition at all, but get people psyched for it. Yes, or or in spirit of Nathan Fielder, having some horrible company <laughs> uh, try to sponsor it in like a completely unironic way. Yeah, like the, Hall- the Halliburton Bowl or something. Yeah, as he uh, he did with his uh, Holocaust awareness uh, pullover. Right. Yes, right, exactly. Which but I, I'm not going to lie, I kind of want to buy a hat from that. Yes, but you could never wear it. <laughs> no, oh God, no. <laughs> um, to your point about pings being either really good or really bad, how many games early in the year do you see between a massive program and a completely unknown school? Because that unknown school will willingly get pounded because their tiny percent of the gate is more than they will make in a home game. I mean, who did Ohio State play at the beginning of this year? I, uh, was it Appalachian oh, State this year? I know they played them the last couple years. Uh, that, but that's, I mean, that's a good example. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Hawaii or like Delaware or... I mean, not wh- even that. When you get into the D2 schools where they really have no business being on the same field together, it's basically a glorified scrimmage, you know, where the third string quarterback can get some reps for OSU... I don't know what that serves in the spirit of college athletics. You know, the the whole mystique and the standard that college football pretends to hold itself up to is that, you know, it, it clings to a, a bygone era of integrity within the game. That's not a business like the NFL when really, in fact, I mean, we've talked about this before. It is nothing but a business that turns oh, yes. out money like no other, um, possibly because they don't have to pay any of their employees. Right. Uh, I also like the... Uh, the R&L Carriers New Orleans Bowl, uh, another classic. We do have the Popeyes Bowl. We talked about fast Yes. Food. Oh, yes. The Popeyes Bahamas Bowl. Oh, that one's already set. Middle Tennessee versus Western Michigan. Listen, when you have multiple locations in a bowl game, you know it has to be good. Yes. Middle Tennessee is my favorite state. 
<laughs> Almost as as followed closely by East Carolina and Central Florida. Well, but how many different Michigan? There, there's Central Michigan, right? There is yes. there Eastern Michigan. Is that oh, a yes. college? My Western? brother went to Eastern Michigan. Okay, so I mean, Michigan is right up there with Florida, where there's just so many uh, geographic markers to denote different universities. Uh, it gets a little silly after a while. Uh, I'm trying to see if there are any others uh, worthy of our scorn. I mean. Really, oh, all of them, when you get into, like, the Tostitos Fiestable, at least there, there's some brand, uh, you know, okay, Tostita, you know. And that's one, they've actually been, I mean, they, Tostitos sponsorship actually predates this level of insanity. They've yeah. been, at least, what, 10 or 15 years? So, even though it's maybe started the trend, they're not as bad as some. The Boca Raton Bowl? <laughs> I just imagine, like, old people from Florida going, huh? Sitting in the stands, like... Something happens and they look at each other and go, huh, what happened? I can't see. Did you see? I, I also enjoy that the Birmingham Bowl does not have a sponsorship. I'm presuming just because people associate Birmingham with racism? Well, no, it's because of the majesty and the longstanding honorable <laughs> traditions of the Birmingham Bowl. You can't taint that with a corporate sponsor. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you're going to have an SEC team versus an American team. That'd be great. Yes. Of it's course. not like the new era pinstripe bowl. Oh, I mean, literally a modern classic, uh, like oh, yes. no other. And of well, course, wait, wait, hold on. Yes, camping world independence bowl. <laughs> okay, but at least then I see like camp. I I don't know what camping world is. It may be a very nice store, maybe run by a you know, it's a great family run business. Oh, I'm not formerly sure. Formerly the independence bowl. It makes me think though that. It's run by like people that are like stocking up their trailers for like you know the end of the world. They yeah, have their like axes, in, um, their bottle, their cases of water. Yeah, yeah. They're burying school buses underground to make some sort of weird subterranean layer for themselves. Yes, uh, we have the Quick Lane Bowl. Uh, I think we have to go with our cl our favorite though, the Motel Six Cactus Bowl, because oh, when yeah. I think of a comfy uh, <laughs> motel room, I also want to think about a prickly cactus. That's right. Uh, I, I, I think we were talking about this before the show, though, but the I would always watch the Motel 6 Bowl if Tom Bodette did the play by play for that. It would be so calming. It's like the Bob. He's the Bob Ross of Hotel Pitchman. That's true. Or Motel Pitchman, I suppose. That's right. Just a wanna, happy. There's just a happy yes. little accident on your mattress, Ben. If you, if you want a clean, comfortable bowl at a reasonable price, <laughs> come to the Motel 6 Cactus Bowl. That's not how he sounds at all. I don't know why I said it like that. Next up on the Apocalypse Check, Ben, a legend is finally announced his goodbye. Kobe Bryant announced his retirement via a poem, just in case anyone had any question if he was, in fact, old. This follows LeBron's tradition of announcing his return to Cleveland via a lengthy and often literary essay with ESPN. Are people who excel at physical sports now trying to dominate in the literary paint as well? And will this lead us to the inexorable doom of the humble wordsmith? No, it's just Kobe. <laughs> LeBron, okay, LeBron's thing, first of all, he at least wrote, uh, I mean, he didn't try to make it anything more than it was. It was an explanation. And I believe, did he publish, publish that on the Players' Tribune or was it Sports Illustrated? Where I can't remember where he published that, but... It was... It was an ESPN cover story, I think. Was it? Okay. I believe that was ghostwritten, or else he had someone help There was speculation that? that, yeah, he had someone sitting okay. in with that. Okay. So, but that's different than Kobe's poem, which is, <laughs> first of all... <laughs> Oddly erotic? Yeah. Yeah. Really creepy, number one. Number two, pretty sad. Uh, and number three, like, 
he's talking. He almost sounds like you know he's gonna break up with his lover. And if I'm basketball, you want to say like, uh, Kobe, we broke up three years ago. <laughs> it's over. You're still calling me. Yeah. <laughs> with no, your I crippled is, ass knees. Right. <laughs> and this is just a coat. No, no one else would be so pretentious. As I was reading about this over the last couple of days, I was reminded he he was in, I think, hip hop videos. And he has been like selling himself to as much media as he as he could for his entire career. I remember hearing a quote before he signed his current contract where they were saying, well, you know, he's older. Is he going to take a hometown discount to stay with the Lakers? And I remember a quote from him saying, no, I want to get as much money as I possibly can. <laughs> Kobe makes no apologies. Kobe has always been an iconoclast for better and worse. He holds many good records, uh, you know, fair, you know, he, he was very talented in his day. He well, also holds you could many, argue, I mean, uh, not good records, like the most missed shots of all time. <laughs> but, but you can't argue that for a, a set period of time, arguably the best player in the game. I mean, pre LeBron, I don't think you could make an argument. I mean, you can make an argument that other people are better at different facets of the game. You've got like Steve Nash, who's maybe one of the best point guards of all time uh, playing uh, kind of contemporary with him. You have guys like, um, uh, like, I mean, he played with Shaq, arguably one of the best centers of all time, very arguably, but uh, arguably, still, I would argue that, but that's a different topic. Dom, you know, dominant players, but amongst them, I would say, you know, between um, uh, 2002 and uh, maybe 2006, you could argue you could argue that he was playing at a level better than anybody else, including LeBron. Yeah, I mean that's fair. He was certainly a great player in his mm-hmm. day. Not not to take anything away from his skill at one time. This is more just about he his ego, really. Yes. To to it's a very uh, he was kind. I guess he was the greatest and might be one of the last kind of great, uh, I don't want to say selfish even, but, you know, a, a, guy, <laughs> a guy, though, that uh, knew he was great and it demanded that everyone else treat him as great. I, I feel like, and I think LeBron has done a really good job of kind of sheltering this attitude of being a great player, making other people great. Maybe there's no one else better than LeBron at doing that. But I have noticed, I mean, you look at a guy like Steph Curry. Yeah, he's no one is he's not deferring to anyone else for a shot, but you don't get that same kind of air of the offense has to run through him. And he's, you know, calling the shots to a certain level. Uh, you, you certainly have divas. You're always going to have divas in sports when you have that much money and that much talent and people that have never been told no in their life. Uh, uh, you know, together on a team, you're going to have egos clash for sure. But l- the the way kind of Kobe has aged out of his talent and the way he has treated the Lakers and how the Lakers have treated him, it almost feels like a throwback at this point. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, think about how many coaches has Kobe directly gotten fired in one way or another? How many Several. times with Phil Jackson? A couple, not to mention <laughs> uh, how many times with Mike Brown? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could argue, you could say that Dan Gilbert did that just as much. Uh, that's fair. But um, but yeah, I think you're right. And that's an interesting point about not having an ego like that in the game. Why do you think that is? Because I don't I don't think the game has changed. Like they're still superstars. They're still being paid. Like if anything, you'd think there'd be more egos with social media and more ways to promote themselves. So it seems a little anathema that. That that's going away. It might be a symptom that, uh, and we've t- again talked about this, and this has been speculated on 
uh, ad nauseum in other sports outlets, but because the game is going to a little bit more of a movement offense, you have less uh, uh, instances of, you know, I remember, I remember back to the Cavs in 2007, LeBron would pound the ball for 20 seconds and then slash to the rim. You had guys like Allen Iverson who lived on that, being able to you know cross some guy over, create a lane, and slash to the rim where he could literally, like he depended on other people around him uh, to space out the ball, maybe occasionally hit an open three to make space for him. And you had to have people around him that could be, uh, that could be dangerous in other aspects. But in a lot of ways, when the game came down to crunch time, it literally was just put on one man's shoulders. I think you see that slightly less now, and maybe that's, I don't know if that's a symptom or a cause of a little bit less of the um, kind of, again, I don't want to say selfish, but the one man show kind of mentality. I see. That's a fair point. But uh, it, it does kind of bring up another question though, with Kobe retiring, this is kind of the next item on the apocalypse check with Kobe retiring again, at one point, the best in the game we have another kind of best in the game, should be retiring. I sincerely hope he does. Peyton Manning may be forced to retire uh, at, uh, because the in, inter, excuse me, the injury-riddled body that is called Peyton Manning is falling apart at the seams, yes. despite that Peyton Manning, the spirit, seems to be trying to go as hard as he can. Which do you think is the bigger loss for the sport? Given that, given that with diminishing skill sets, that they are no longer the players that they were, who was, who do you think was more uh, iconic or impactful uh, for the league? Well, impactful. No, either way, I'd have to go with Peyton because, because he just his attitude. Like Peyton was never a dick. Peyton was never getting people fired. Like he just was never known for that. Every time he went out there, he competed. You never saw him give up. And he still wants to play, and he, uh, you know, he's aged out of his, as you say, the injury-riddled um, corpse that is him. <laughs> uh, not, not, not a corpse yet, but yes, he's, uh, he's uh, very much. Uh, reportedly, he has no feeling in his hands. I can't even imagine that. Yeah, that's not that's, good. But, that's where you need to let go. Yeah, but the other thing is, you know, Kobe was always surrounded with great, uh, you know, basketball players, whether it was Shaq, whether it was whoever those early 2000 teams were, didn't they? He, he won five titles, right? Didn't he go to three straight uh, finals or win three straight or something? Yeah, it was broken by the Pistons, Pistons. in 2003, right? right? Uh, four. 2000, well, 2003, 2004 season. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, Peyton Manning only won one championship despite having how many individual records. And and playing with some top-quality talent as well. I mean, you look at the wide receivers that have played with him, you could argue that Peyton made the, them as much as they helped yeah. him. But, you know, you have guys that are going, you know, uh, Jerome Harrison, not, wait, am I think no, I'm thinking of a... Marvin Harrison? Marvin Harrison. Jerome Harrison was a mediocre running back for the Browns. Marvin Harrison is a Hall of Fame wide receiver. You can make the argument that Reggie Wayne uh, might end up there someday. So, I mean... Not playing with any slouch, you could you could say the defenses that he played with were complete shit, and I will not argue that. Uh, but uh, definitely had talent around him. He was never quite the one man show. So yeah, Kobe with five titles, although he never won one without Shaq, right? Um, I don't know. Did he win one before? I thought he won one or two before Shaq no, came. There. I, I could don't be believe so. I don't okay. believe so. I could be wrong. But uh, and and Shaq definitely won one with the Heat uh, post Kobe. That's true. Uh, but. I, I think for sheer dominance in a game, I, I would have to go with those Laker teams, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, 
as just being completely dominant and seeming almost unbeatable. Really, the only thing that beat them was their lack of chemistry with each other and kind of forcing themselves to uh, to part ways was the really what only thing that really beat them. Yeah, the Pistons beat them one time, but after winning three in a row, you know, it's a little bit different. Uh, Payton, I think the most is probably, I don't even want to say more iconic, but you don't see someone being as big of a pitch man for a league, both just in commercials and then just being out there as a face of a league. Well, he was um, also, yeah, because Peyton was never in trouble legally. Uh, he never got caught doing anything he wasn't supposed to. So, they, you know, he could be that ambassador. And like with Kobe, they just, uh, certain personal incidents in his life prevented him from being that wholesome figure. Uh, well, and also could, a kind of a, a, you could say, a mer- mercurial um, demeanor as opposed to, are you know the the uh, rumor on Peyton is that he's a, like a hyper competitive dick with to his teammates sometimes, but he presents a like one okay he keeps that on the field. He doesn't like he's not like addicted to gambling or has any problems with mm-hmm. substance abuse or anything like that. And two, he's also like a really great pitch man for pizza and a direct Insurance. TV and, yeah, yeah, and a bunch of other you know mediocre products. So his face was always kind of out there, and there was kind of a. Uh, an endearing uh, dorkiness almost to his uh, to a lot of his appearances. So, uh, you know, as opposed to especially with some of the legal trouble that Kobe got put into while he was an icon of the game and people, you know, wanted to have his like people, you know, idolized his basketball skill. They couldn't market him as well for a for a while after, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, all of the uh, uh, what was it? Uh, sex scandal rape allegations, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, so, you know, obviously that makes it kind of hard to market one of your superstars. So uh, maybe for that reason, if no nothing else, for me, Peyton more iconic. But I would say Kobe had a bigger impact on the uh, I, I That's a toss up to me, because you, if you look at Peyton, yeah, he had for like one year the record for the most touchdowns, but then Tom Brady beat him on that. He was never, he's won one championship, which I don't want to take anything away from one championship, but, it, you know, a guy like Tom Brady overshadows him in the championship regard. A guy like Ben Roethlisberger does too. So, you know, he was never the uh, do- most dominant in terms of, uh, in terms of wins or, or uh, even a, a just sheer numbers for any one given year, but he was consistent for so long of being one of the best, if not the best, quarterback. Uh, I, I have to still have to give it to Kobe in terms of impact on the game, I guess. You think? It, well, it's a toss-up. I, I could see the argument either way. I guess also with Kobe, like you said, he was a singular dominant force at a mm. time when there just weren't, there just wasn't that competition from another player uh, in the early 2000s, whereas as good as Peyton was during his dominance, there were other quarterbacks and since they're not, you know, playing against each other week by week, and since in the NBA, you know, you play most of a 48-minute game, whereas in football, you're only on the field for half your team's, you know, downs. So it's harder to measure a singular person. And for that reason, I think Kobe stands out more. Mm-hmm. But I well, want to give it to Peyton because he's not a dick. <laughs> or an alleged rapist. Yeah. Um, the but the other thing, though, I think that also aids Peyton is maybe because he was never like this championship dominant uh, persona, he somehow was able to be this extremely stat heavy dominant quarterback, but always in a lot of ways an underdog. Like whenever they play the Patriots, like you knew that he was at a severe disadvantage and it kind of helped you root for him in a, in a weird way. I, I think that also kind of fed into the story of his career. Definitely. And also because 
the difference between Kobe and Peyton now, the Lakers are terrible. Mm-hmm. So Kobe is a sideshow where there is no other attraction. No, no one thinks he's good. No one thinks he's competitive. No one feels sorry for Kobe. But every uh, Peyton situation that he's had to deal with has been what his competitive spirit, his effort never waned. I mean, you look at his injury, uh, his first injury with the neck, and they draft Andrew Luck. Peyton still had plenty of football left in him, but they just couldn't bring him back because they either had to, you know, replace him now or not. Or uh, not have anything left. Or have you a know, huge he, question mark down the road. So yeah. he gets moved out of in, out of Indy, uh, despite still having plenty of, uh, of football left in him. He goes to Denver, puts up some good numbers still. Uh, pretty astounding much, numbers, yeah. Yeah, because that team was not very good. They were, well, uh, To be fair, was, they were led by Tim Tebow. Well, right. So it was either the Tim Tebow era, or they, <laughs> and instead it became the Peyton Manning era. That's or, you, yeah, quite or, the, or the Peyton Manning lease era. Yes. Uh, and so he leads them to some good records. They and went to a Super Bowl. To a Super Bowl, and uh, they never, uh, they never were able to get over the hump. But now, I mean, they started this year what eight no. And mm-hmm. even though he was obviously not his best, he still had some good moments. Obviously, his body is breaking down, but he wants to compete. And now he's on a good team. And if he, even if he was healthy, I mean, I have to think, obviously, at 39 or whatever he is, you're not going to put up the numbers you did in your prime. But, you know, a competitive Peyton Manning, you never have to worry about his sportsmanship or his effort or studying the game or anything like that if he was merely healthy and you know like look at Matt Hasselbeck if he was merely a healthy 39 year old you have to figure he would still be the starting QB and he would get his shot at a legitimate uh shot at a championship but because of his body he's getting phased out and it looks like he you can't reasonably think he's going to have any more starts in him uh this year with the way Osweiler has played and with his injuries so Peyton He's gotten bumped out of his of all of his roles uh, at times where he could have continued to win championships. So you, for that reason, like you said, you want to root for Peyton. I think that adds to his mystique in a way that uh, Kobe will never have. Well, Ben, next up on the Apocalypse Check, did you watch Monday Night Football this week? I know we're recording a little later than normal. This will come out Thursday night. Uh, but um, did you get a chance to watch the game? I uh, I only saw bits and pieces. Of course, I uh, read about the end of the game. Yes. Uh, disc- uh, the Browns managed to lose on Monday Night Football in a way that can only be described as heartbreaking. <laughs> uh, seemingly on the cusp of victory, the Browns snatched defeat uh, from its steely jaws as a field goal that would have won them the game was blocked and then ran back for a Ravens touchdown. <laughs> this has been described as, quote, the Brownsiest loss in recent memories. <laughs> Can we try to quantify what Brownsiness is, and will it be a vector in the apocalypse? Yes, it will. And this is why, even before I ever lived in Cleveland, before I ever knew anyone from Cleveland, you had to root for the Cleveland Browns, because <laughs> they, they've they never been good in our lifetime. And Well, for my, my, the period of my sentience, I will give you that. Okay. I guess they had some okay teams in the they, late they 80s. They made the playoffs in... The last playoff appearance, I think, was in 93, maybe. Okay. They, they had, like, one good year under Belichick, and then they fell apart. Okay. Um, but they're always so endearingly terrible because of things like this. You know, teams like the Patriots, I mean, everyone thinks they're huge dicks. No one's going to feel sorry for them if they started to suck. Uh, not only... 
everything that could happen to a football team. They lose the team. The team moves away. And four years later, they win the Super Bowl. That would have been you. <laughs> and as I mentioned, now when you have losses like this, it's by the team. Like, that that could be your team. <laughs> and like So that's – it's so – it's so disheartening. I read a uh, statistic. I've, I've seen various different numbers on this, but since they returned in 1999, so in almost 16 seasons, they've lost a staggering number of games in the final minute. Oh, God, I, I didn't heard, see that. I've heard everything from like 19 to somebody said f- like 40, but that that that's like a quarter of all their games they would have <laughs> I, lost in the final minute. I can't believe it's that high, but they, I remember you and I watching games. I can remember a handful. <laughs> I remember one, and it was against the Ravens. Uh, it was like 05. Oh, yes. Jeff Garcia was the quarterback. They're driving down to, and I, I want to say they were even up, and it was like they, they, they had the game. Like they were going to win the game. They're about to punch it into the end zone. Our friend Andrew is sitting next yes. to us and just goes, Ravens interception, running back for a touchdown, Browns lose. <laughs> and literally that exact thing happened? Yes, that's it, one of my favorite college <laughs> <laughs> You see, I've never seen you so upset. Well, in, in my youth, th- these things could bother me. When that happened on Monday, I laughed and I started clapping to the point where my wife asked me to stop. <laughs> because at this point... I, I have had the theory that the Browns are no longer playing football. Uh, in fact, uh, they, since they came back in 1999, I believe that Al Lerner, in kind of being, in, if not integral, a part of the Browns, seeing the Browns leave Cleveland uh, with Art Modell, he saw the the intrinsic value of suffering over something that's ultimately irrelevant and he saw what that can do to a community. And so when he brought the Browns back in 1999, it was as this extended period of performance art in the <laughs> meaning of meaningless tragedy. And, and and not tragedy in the fact that it's arbitrary and cruel, but that it's about something that's ultimately meaningless, as, in, as is all sports. First so, of all, first of all, whatever you need to tell yourself. <laughs> <laughs> It's the, because it's the only way that it makes sense in a league where fortunes can turn around overnight, where you have a league like the or you have a division like the um, what is it? The NFC South, where for 10 years, I think it was the last place team would come in first the next year after they came in last place. For, I mean, for years, they would just be a constant churn in that division when you have, you know, people just catching fire and fluky teams doing stuff and that the Browns have only had two winning seasons. Uh, to me, can only be the work of a mad genius, and I, 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 he has set he set in motion a series of events that have led the Browns to this point. Uh, to back this up, the Browns uh, since 1999 lead the league in most quarterbacks used. Yes. And have you have you seen the jersey? Oh yes, with all the names uh, yeah, down out. the back. But mm-hmm. 24 quarterbacks since 1999. That's over one a year. <laughs> The next three this year, at least. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and in, yeah, in fact, there's going to be another quarterback controversy within this year, and then the next off season. Uh, the, the the Browns have used 24. The Oakland Raiders come next with 21. So it's not even like neck and neck. I mean, it's there's it, a fair distance between the two. But 
Ben, I want to try and ca- what what does a Brownsy loss entail? Because you've seen teams like the Raiders be terrible for an extended period of time. It looks like they're on a bit of an upswing uh, now uh, with uh, the, the kind of uh, high-powered offense that they're putting together out there. We've seen other teams. Uh, Jacksonville's been terrible uh, for a number of years now. But the Browns seem to have a certain quality about their losses. Um, so any thoughts on what makes it so especially uh endemic to Cleveland well as you said being able to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory you know it's not just you know you got pounded nobody looked good but they have things like the to be in a position to win the game and you know I could see it down their leg so hard (laughs) I could see missing the field goal Mm -hmm. or uh even like a blocked field goal but (laughs) The planets have to align for for something like what happened to happen, and it's just it's it's uh, it's so endearing because you. Because the other thing is though, the the people of Cleveland have not had a championship for uh, what the Browns, I guess, before 60, the Super Bowl sixty four. I think it is. Yeah, and and yet the fans continue to support the team in all manners of weather. Uh, in all through everything, I mean that's one of the things you talked about. Uh, the cynical genius. If you want to be really cynical, you could say the fans are going to support the team no matter what, so they're going to make money, and so there's no there's no impetus for them to ever be good, and that's very cynical. I will not I will not go so far as to suggest that's true, but as opposed to a team like Jacksonville, when they're terrible, the stadium is empty, uh, or a team like. Oakland, I mean, no one cares. They're completely irrelevant. But the the city of Cleveland and the Browns fans are so loyal, and all they want is for just something to cheer for. And it seems like every time something, you know, they work their way up to something promising, it gets snatched away from them through no fault of their own. I mean, that looked like it would have been a good kick. I mean, I guess that was just a good play by whoever blocked it, and then the random bounce was in a position to return it. Uh, <laughs> you know, or um, it, it's just... Uh, that sound, by the way, encapsulates watching any Browns game. Yes, yes. Just... just but, uh, uh, <sighs> uh, yes, like so close, but it seems like forces of nature conspire against them. Not just like the Lions were terrible forever, and you could easily point to Matt Millen or their whoever was in charge at the time. It was just poorly managed. But the Browns went through whoever was in charge, and they would draft someone promising. Even like Johnny Manziel or when they drafted Brady Quinn or when they drafted even going back to Tim Couch. Like people who should have had some promise and for whatever reason just didn't make it. And the city of Cleveland having no championships in decades and it couldn't – it. The, the but the fans are still such lovable midwestern people which is not the case everywhere so <laughs> well, have did you see any of the deadspin was having a field day posting videos of sad browns fans after like literally moments after that happened yeah and there was one the guy you know he's taping the kick sees it and you can just hear the collective air being let out of a massive 70,000 people or however many people that stadium holds. And he just turns around and this guy behind him, clearly intoxicated, just goes, F- 
fucking Browns rips off his brand new jersey. It's like the new style jersey. So clearly he just bought it. Yeah. Just rips it from his chest. Yeah. (laughs) But that would not happen. Like if in Philadelphia, if that happened, they would burn cars and throw beer bottles at each other. You know, like the civility that Clevelanders maintain despite the uh, sports woe is really admirable. There is a kind of a sad camaraderie about the city. So, you know, I mean, to be honest, we lose so well, I kind of don't want to change. You know, you don't want to jinx it. Right. As opposed to the closest colleague, I would say, would be the city of Buffalo having no similar championships. But they seem to have good teams who are, uh, you know, get close but just don't quite make it. There's a famous uh, the 1999 Stanley Cup uh, they uh, had a, a goal against them that should not have counted, which cost them uh, the Stanley Cup to Dallas. Or even making four straight Super Bowls, even though they didn't win one, like obviously they still had a really good team. Yeah, they, they just never got over the hump. But there's no, there's the Browns just seem to lose in a giant ball of flame, <laughs> and <laughs> and the fans stick by them, and they're still honorable, and they still love the team, and even that guy who ripped off his jersey. I guarantee you today he is still a Browns fan and will still be cheering for them with all his heart next game. And that is why uh, the Browns are like no other team in professional sports. The Browns are like that mine in New York, that coal mine in New York that caught fire in the 60s and it's still burning to this day. Like no matter what you do, it will still be smoldering. We can't hurt anybody. No one wants to be around us, but we're still going to be here. That's right. All right, Ben, before we take off, do you have time for a little doom or duh? Uh, Duh. All right, Ben, sticking in the world of sports, Johnny Manziel going on a champagne-fueled bender, letting out a video of it, then asking his friends to lie about it being an old video. Doom or duh? Gonna have to go with duh. All right, Ben, the Clippers' DeAndre Jordan missing 22 free throws in a single game going 12 for 34 at the line. Doom or duh? Uh, Going to have to go with doom because you would think, you know, the so-called hack-a-shack theory, which is not new, but you would think if if you have a player like that in your lineup, you would not put him in a position. I mean, what does he bring to your team? You can't just put in somebody from the bench who will give you, even if he can't make shots from the field, better than... 33% 33% from the line. <laughs> well, it should be noted that not only did the Clippers win that game, but during the period where they were fouling him so much, they still managed to outscore, I forget what the other team was, 8-5. to five. I think it was Portland. 8-5? to five? Like in that stretch where they were just okay. repeatedly fouling him, they still outscored okay. them 8-5. to five. So okay. effective but pathetic. Okay. Next up, Ben, the LA Lakers and Philly 76ers played a few nights ago, and they yes. had a combined record of 2-32. and 32. Doom... Or duh. Doom, because only in the NBA are teams that good or bad. You would never see, I mean, even bad teams in baseball win 50 games a year. I mean, even bad teams in hockey win, you know, 30 games a year. What about the Lions? Okay, the Lions, yes, we know, being the lone exception, (laughs) never winning a game in, I think it was 2008. But basketball is the only sport where you would win, what, like 10% of your games I, that is that is unusually bad. And to have multiple teams be that bad at once, sign of the apocalypse. All right, Ben, in the final doom or duh, 
the NFL demoting an officiating crew after they screwed up counting downs in the Cardinals 49ers game last week. Doom or duh? Doom because I never thought the NFL would admit to a mistake and actually do something about it. <laughs> Wonders never cease. You know, they're the most progressive organization in professional sports. Certainly. So, Ben, uh, are you going to be uh, uh, putting together a um, a beatnik uh, performance of the Kobe Bryant retirement uh, performance or retirement poem uh, for your next open mic? Oh, we should. I got some berets that we can use, uh, and I'm sure we can pretend to smoke cigarettes for a couple seconds with some bongos. Yes. Uh, so, Ben, thank you for sticking around for another episode of the of Edifice course. of Our Demise. For our adoring fan out there, <laughs> sorry this was so late. Uh, we just had some uh, scheduling conflicts and internet outages, uh, which were a lot of fun to deal with. But uh, we'll be back uh, recording on Sunday and posting on Monday again, so you'll get plenty of Edifice of Our Demise in your feed. Ben, anything to plug before we take off? Uh, nope. All right. Well, remember, if you have any topics that you want to discuss... On the show, start your own podcast. But if you think we should discuss them, go to Twitter at Edifice Demise, Facebook.com slash Edifice of Our Demise, and Edifice of Our Demise at gmail.com. And make sure to check it at least once a month. I did have one thought. If I could yes. throw this at you blindly. Please. We've been on the air now for uh, most of 2015. This is true. And uh, it might be interesting to, uh, to get some input on the biggest apocalypse in the various sectors over the past year so if anyone out there is listening and wants to contribute get up uh, and hit up any of the social media sites rich just mentioned and let us know what you think the biggest apocalypse is of the topics that we covered or if rich thinks this is a bad idea it won't happen and you can just disregard this no yeah absolutely that'd be fantastic kind of do a uh, uh we could maybe fit it into a year in review uh, edifice of Artemis. Maybe we'll do that uh, toward the end of December. Uh, so yeah, anything that you think was kind of the biggest apocalypse or something that played out that we mentioned, feel free to send that to through any of our social media channels. I can already think of the biggest apocalypse. I'm biggest. trying to think of the funniest apocalypse. <laughs> I will have to go through our notes and uh, and see uh, what that was all about. It, it's probably going to be sports related. I'm not going to lie. Yes. All right, Ben. We'll see you on uh, Monday. We'll be back for another edifice. Does that sound good? Yeah, sure. Yeah, whatever. What the fuck? All right. So until next time we meet, remember, everybody, have a super sparkly day. Unless the apocalypse gets you first. Holler. <laughs>